Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something genderqueer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Welcome back to another great episode of Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I am the host, the hostess with the mostess, Charlie Sabrina Miller. And now let's let that band finish it up. Yeah, (laughs) I love them. Oh, I love them. They get better every week. I swear they do. This week, the band is The Fireworks. Featuring American independence on drums. I couldn't resist, folks. (laughs) The name of the episode is Happy Birthday, America. I told you last episode at the end that I was going to play some uh, patriotic songs and things like that. So, you know, I can't help it. I can't help it. So there we go with our main topic, Happy Birthday, America. Going to play some songs. Uh, We do have another one of the 20 jokes so terrible. They're actually funny. This week we're on number seven. And another secondary topic. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I know it's the 1st of July. I know I've been pushing to get a new name for that segment, the secondary topic segment. Well, if your math is correct, for those playing along at home, you'll realize that this is dropping on the 1st of July. So, obviously, I had to have recorded it at the end of June. So, as we sit here right now recording, uh, it's too early to close the polls for the, for the name thing. So, uh, the 1st or the 2nd of July, I'm going to close it and be posting all over Facebook. And uh, <laughs> hopefully by next episode, if not the one after that for damn sure, we will have a new name for the secondary topic. This, this secondary topic, this episode, though, some thoughts on pregnancy around for that yeah listener feedback well as i sit here at this very very moment sadly i do not have any listener feedback that is new (laughs) yes i know i know it saddens me too since i record in a linear fashion hopefully by the time i get around to listener feedback there just might be an email in my inbox a review on itunes or something on the facebook page where i can give a shout out to one of you listeners there so we'll see when we get there so welcome new listeners if this is your first episode that you're choosing to listen to welcome aboard this crazy train ride i will say right up front it's not your usual uh episode out there it's a different one just one to keep it interesting and different and you know a variety of things so it's not your normal one but welcome aboard anyway and thank you returning listeners binge listeners sporadic listeners however you listen thank you for coming back Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes, the main meal, the main topic of this episode, let's briefly talk about the last episode, (laughs) where I called it Making It Up As I Go Along. Uh, You know, folks, I really don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was expecting. But I was satisfied with the way episode 92 came out. I I did ramble on a bit about some things, which I'll admit I kind of anticipated, you know, it's kind of hard not to, if, if you know my style of podcasting. But uh, I wanted to say, again, thanks, everybody, for 
the uh, the feedback. I know I know I kind of harped on not getting feedback, and I I neglected to say how grateful I am for the feedback that I get. So if if any of you that do give me feedback, please don't think that I was you know blowing you off or anything like that. I hope you know that by now, being that we're in episode 93, <laughs> but I want to say it up front here. I did not mean to neglect you, and I hope you know that I appreciate you. I appreciate all of you listeners, for that matter. And since I was making it up as I went along last episode, I do want to say, uh, because this is something that's been sticking with me for a while, uh, the, the comments, especially on the anonymous survey that's uh, located over on Blogspot, uh, when I get back saying that you want more in an episode, I, I really, really need to hear from you folks what more you want to hear. So if there's anything from episode 92 that I want everybody to take away, that's it. You can find that and all past episodes at changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. Of course, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. That's probably one of the two locations you're listening to us now. Over on the Blogspot page, though, there is a player if you choose to listen from your laptop or desktop and don't feel like fiddling with a podcast app. There's a way to listen right from the website, so go check that out. Join the fun over on Facebook, facebook.com slash Changes in Latitudes podcast. Lots of stuff going on there. Some weeks are different than others. Some weeks there's a lot of posts from me. Some weeks there's not. But I appreciate every single one of you out there that's following. You can follow me on Twitter at CIL Podcast. And check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Changes in Latitudes podcast. Consider becoming a patron of the arts, a patron of the show, a patron over on Patreon. This week's episode is brought to you by the longtime, wonderful, wonderful patron, Joyce B. Joyce, thank you so oh, very much for your, I'm just going to say, incredible contribution. I thank you greatly from the bottom of my heart. All right, now that the housekeeping stuff's out of the way, let's get into the main topic. Main topic, happy birthday, America. Yeah, well, you know, as I was putting the episode list together and seeing, you know, what episodes fall on what day, I realized, wow, I'm very close to the 4th of July with this particular episode. It comes out on the 1st. So just for fun, something different, something that's not our normal type of show, I decided to play some Patriot music. And I have a small collection of my own, and yes, there are a lot of public domain songs out there on the internet that I could get and play for all of you. I'm sure there's a great album or something I could get off of iTunes or Amazon or someplace like that. No doubts about that. But as I was trying to figure out what songs I want to play, I, I realized almost in a flashback sort of situation, you know, it's one of those, hey, uh, you, you remember the old commercials? Hey, I could have had a V8. It was one of those moments. It was one of those slap on the head Oh shit, why didn't I think of that before moment? And that is, I'm going to play for you an episode of one of my favorite podcasts. It's a podcast that's not for everybody. It's a podcast that's not your usual format for podcasts, where there's hosts or hosts or whoever sitting around talking or interview type shows. It's not one of those. It is a music program. It's called Music from 100 Years Ago. It's done by a gentleman by the name of Bryce Fuquay. I discovered it when I first found podcasts. We're talking about seven years 
of this particular show. And I went back and listened to all his episodes. He's been doing it for forever. He's up to uh, 500 and something episodes, if I remember correctly right now. So go ask your local Google about Music from 100 Years Ago by Bryce Fuquay. That's spelled F-U-Q-U-A. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play his episode honoring the 4th of July with the Goldman Band. And I'm not going to edit it or anything like that. I'm going to play it through and through. I'm going to interject because of the extra topics that I'm going to bring up. The joke of the week, the secondary topic, listener feedback, if we have it by the time I get to recording it, (laughs) as I said a moment ago. And we're just going to have some fun. So I'm going to let it ride from here, and I'll catch you later. Thank you. 
That, of course, was the Stars and Stripes Forever by John Philip Sousa. Uh, we heard a 1934 performance by the Goldman Band conducted by Edwin Franco Goldman. The Stars and Stripes Forever is, of course, uh, John Philip Sousa's most famous work. It's an iconic uh, march. But it was written at a really dark time in Sousa's life. Um, he and his wife had been vacationing in Europe when uh, they got a telegram informing them that his close friend and business manager had died suddenly of a heart attack. And so Sousa and his wife got on the first ship back to New York that they could get on. And as they raced back to New York, uh, Sousa was overcome with grief. And to take his mind off how bad he felt, he wrote The Stars and Stripes Forever. And he later said that the rhythm of the march was inspired by the uh, sound of the waves washing up against the ship as it sailed to New York. So a sad situation, but it led to his most famous work. Well, hello and welcome to Music from 100 Years Ago, the podcast that features records from the early days of the 20th century. I'm your host, Bryce Fuquay. This week's program is number 415, and it's our annual American Independence Day, our 4th of July show. And this year, we're going to be specializing uh, on music by the Goldman Band. Not as well known as uh, John Philip Sousa's band, but a band that lasted far longer. band founded by Edwin Franco Goldman. Goldman was born on New Year's Day, 1878 in Louisville, Kentucky. But as a boy, his family moved to New York City, where he took music lessons. And in 1911, he formed his first uh, band, the New York Military Band, which began playing uh, concerts, outdoor concerts around New York, especially uh, on the mall in Central Park. Now, Goldman, like Sousa, was also a prolific composer of marches. He wrote over 150 pieces, and his best-known work, and still often played today, is a march dedicated to the mall of, of uh, Central Park, and it's simply called On the Mall. And we'll hear a performance of that now. Here's the Goldman Band with On the Mall from 1934.
That was Edwin Franco Goldman's most famous march uh, on the mall in a recording done by the Goldman Band in 1934. Let's take a break from the 4th of July and Bryce Fuquay from Music from 100 Years Ago and listen to our sponsor, Tom Slayton. When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Yes, TomSlayton.com. Folks, go show Tom some love because he's been sharing the love with me for... Oh, about a year and change now, I think. i got to go check my, check my notes. But it's been quite a while. This week, we're talking about TomSlayton.com forward slash Abandon Gas and Service Station. This is one of his fabulous photographs. Again, I saw it in the little thumbnail part on my phone first as I was researching for this episode. And then I went back to my laptop and pulled it up there. And the thumbnail was just as amazing, only a little bit bigger. And then I actually clicked on the photo and saw the, the photo in its full glorious beauty. And I don't know if he processed it or not, but the sky is blue. The clouds are crisp and clean white. The trees and foliage are just a beautiful green. And this decrepit, run-down service station, gas and service station, is sitting right in the center of his photo. So, folks, a picture is worth a thousand words. And there's no way I could come up with a thousand words to describe this. I want to know more about it. How long has it been sitting there, Tom? That's what I want to know. So, folks, go check out TomSlayton.com forward slash Abandoned Gas and Service Station and tell them Charlie sent you. And now back to more Fourth of July music with Bryce Fuquay from Music from 100 Years Ago. Uh, well, we're now going to go back to uh, Goldman's first band, the New York Military Band, and an acoustic cylinder recording from 1916. This is a patriotic tune called America, I Love You. And it was written by a guy named Archie Gottler. Now, Archie Gottler became famous more as a actor and movie director than as a songwriter. In fact, uh, he's probably best known for directing a number of the Three Stooges short comedy films back in the 1930s. In fact, Gottler directed the very first Three Stooges movie uh, back in 1934. But during World War One and World War One years, he wrote a number of patriotic songs. Um, and this one, America, I Love You, was written in uh, 1916. Now, in 1916, the uh, U.S. was not in the war yet. The war in Europe, of course, began in 1914. America was still neutral. Uh, but there were a lot of people that uh, there, there were still a lot of patriotic feelings. So this, this manages to play up patriotism without, getting, uh, without taking sides in the war. So here now is a song called America, I Love You. It's a 1916 acoustic recording by the New York Military Band directed by Edwin Franco Goldman. Thank you. 
was America, I Love You, a 1916 recording by the New York Military Band, a band that later was renamed the Goldman Band. Well, next we're going to hear another famous march, a march that's often falsely attributed to John Philip Sousa. It's a march called the National Emblem March. It was actually composed by a musician from New England named Edwin Bagley. Uh, And the story is, Bagley wrote this uh, march um, in 1902, uh, but he didn't like it very much and he threw it in a trash can and a member of the band dug it out of the trash can and uh, while they were on a train trip he dug it out of the trash can and uh, the band secretly rehearsed the the march and then they played it for Bagley and he changed his mind decided that's a pretty good march after all and it later became his most famous work so here now a 1934 recording by the Goldman Band of Edwin Bagley's National Emblem March
Edwin Begley's National Emblem March, a march that was almost lost to history. That was a 1934 recording by the Goldman Band. Twenty jokes so terrible they're actually funny. I found this list on the internet. It's from Tickled.com back in June of 2015. This week, number seven. Now this is a two-person voiced joke, so just for the fun of it, I'm going to have Groucho visit us. Because who other than Dr. Hackenbush would be most efficient for the doctor of our joke? Groucho, are you ready? Of course I'm ready. I'm always ready. All right, here we go. I'll play the man, and I'll play the doctor. Doc, I can't stop singing the green, green grass of home. Well, that sounds like the Tom Jones syndrome. Is it common? Well, it's not unusual. Yes, 20 jokes so terrible, they're actually funny. And now, before we get to more Fourth of July music, only because of this joke, I'm going to share with you the Tom Jones song, The Green Green Grass of Home.
Now back to more 4th of July music with Bryce Fuquay from music from 100 years ago. Well, during World War II, the uh, Edwin Goldman and the Goldman Band made a number of V-disc recordings. Now, if you've been following this podcast for any length of time, I'm sure you remember what V-discs are. But if you're new to the show, let me just say real quickly that the V-disc program, these were records that were made for the military, for overseas military, people serving over overseas during World War II and for a few years after. And the idea was to provide them with some music from home uh, that they could play in the barracks or officers club or whatever uh, to boost morale. And a lot of uh, very popular uh, musicians in the United States uh, donated their, their services uh, for the VDIS program. Frank Sinatra made a lot of recordings, Bean Crosby, Benny Goodman, Billy Holiday, you know, the who's who of uh, popular music and, and other kinds of music as well. But the military brass who ran the VDIS program insisted that they also record some traditional military marches uh, so that they could be played over PA systems and uh, soldiers could practice marching. And so the Goldman Band was recruited to make a number of these recordings. We're going to hear a march now, uh, one of the John Philip Sousa's lesser known marches. This is a march called King Cotton. Uh, and this is a V disc recording of it from 
King Cotton March by John Philip Sousa. We heard a V-disc recording from 1943 by the Goldman Band. Uh, you may wonder why it's called King Cotton. Uh, that was a march that Sousa was commissioned to write for something called the Cotton States and International Exposition. It was kind of like a World's Fair uh, held in 1895 in Atlanta, Georgia. The idea was to promote not only cotton, but uh, the South, because you know, in the late 19th century, the South still had a reputation of you know rebelling because of the Civil War, rebelling against the United States and being a backward place. And so this big international exposition was an attempt to try to promote the South. Uh, today it's probably best remembered for a famous speech that was given there by Booker T. Washington, the Atlanta Compromise speech, uh, in which he called for uh, greater cooperation between uh, African Americans or black people and whites. Sousa did a lot of marches on commission. Uh, probably his best known uh, example of that would be uh, the Washington Post march. Of course, Washington Post is a famous newspaper in Washington, and that march was commissioned uh, for an essay contest the paper was running. And the you know the idea was that the march would be played when they handed out the awards for the essay contest, and nobody thought the march would be remembered. But it was such a catchy march that it lives on long after people have forgotten about the uh, the, the uh, essay contest. Well, next we're going to go back to 1924 in a, a rather unusual march uh, because it's made up of uh, excerpts from an opera or a series of operas by Richard Wagner. It's called the Nibelungen March, and it's based on themes from Wagner's famous uh, ring cycle of operas. Um, the Goldman Band, like the Sousa Band and a lot of other military-style bands, they didn't just play marches. They, they played all kinds of music, uh, including classical arrangements and so forth. So here's kind of an example of that. Here's the Nibelungen March, the Goldman Band from 1924.
was the Nibelungen March, a march based on themes from uh, Richard Wagner's Ring Cycle, Ring of the Nibelungen Operas, and that was a 1924 recording by the Goldman Band. break from Bryce Fuquay and the music from 100 years ago for our secondary topic. Secondary topic this week. Wow. Um, this one I threw on the list a while ago. And it's because it's something I heard in the trans community, both in person and online. And I said, you know, I th- don't think people are getting the full perspective or the full uh, or, the, or all the sides of this thought process. I mean, I understand it. I understand it from the trans perspective. I do. But I don't think that people are really realizing that it's not just trans perspective that matters. And what I'm talking about is trans women and men who have this desire or yearning or uh, uh, problem issue. There's so many different words that you could fill in there with the concept of being pregnant. Now with trans women, it's kind of an obvious, you know, linear thought process. Somebody who's born male and transitions to female, but because of the process to do that, they are not able to procreate in their preferred gender, in their gender that they truly are. Okay, that's just science. I'm sure science will change that in the future. That just makes sense. I mean, the way leaps and bounds of science things have happened in just the last couple years. I'm sure within the next 10 to 50 years, that won't be as big an issue as it is now. So I understand the the angst and the the pains that, that a trans woman thinks about in the sense that they are not going to be able to give birth in the traditional sense. I understand that. And I empathize. I do. I do. As I'm sure most of you do. Most of you, my listeners, do. I mean, it's, it's an understanding concept. When you, when you lay out the cards like that, pretty easy to figure out why a trans woman would be, oh, I don't want to use the word hung up, but that this thing, this concept, this issue would be a huge, you know, rock the burden, a huge thing to carry with them and get through, get over, work through. Fill in your own words, folks. You know what I'm talking about. You understand what I'm saying. Well, I'm here to say that men go through the same thing. Men, I mean, men who are born men and have no desire to change their gender, they go through the same thing. Maybe not to the same degree, maybe not to the same level. Because they are, you know, in in the concept of their own bodies, know that they can't get pregnant. So there isn't that angst because of that. But when their spouse or girlfriend or whoever becomes pregnant, there is a period of time when the male contributor to that particular pregnancy can go through the desire to be pregnant with his spouse, with his partner, with his girlfriend, lover, whatever, fill in the blank. Everybody's got a different pet name or a name or something for their uh, significant other. Right? Right. Okay. So 
I'm here to say that men do that too. I don't have any articles in front of me because, again, as with last episode, I am using my traveling mic. I don't have my full setup, so I don't have my full resources at hand. I don't have the ability to connect to the internet at this very moment. So I can't get those articles for you. But they're out there. Uh, it did take a little bit of searching and hunting to, to hunt it down, but they're out there. A lot of it is uh, personal blogs, I've noticed, and then there's some of the medical uh, journals, I'll say, out there as well. But it happens to, to men as well. It does. And nobody really talks about it. It's because, you know, you t if a guy was, yeah, I, I wish I could be pregnant with my wife, with my girlfriend, with my spouse, with my significant other. Most people are just going to look and say, yeah, well, yeah, I understand, but you can't, so let's move on, you know, without really talking about it, without really thinking it through as to why they may feel left out, uh, neglected, uh, pushed aside, uh, a number of reasons out there. And it, again, it affects people different. Some, some men don't even think it. Others are as affected by it as trans women. So when I hear trans women, you know, pouring their soul out about the fact that they are not able to give birth, my heart goes out to them. Please don't think I'm, you know, pushing them aside or anything like that or not making their emotions valid. I, 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 they are 100% and more valid. I understand it. I get it. But in the same thought process, I want to say to them, you know, there are men out there that go through it too. So don't let it affect you as much as it's affecting you. You know, seek therapy if that's the case. Seek some sort of group conversation about it. Seek something, you know, a group something in Facebook or on the internet or somewhere out there where you can, let's just say, vent these feelings. Because as of now, 2016, summer 2016, there is not a way to transplant the female-born reproductive organs into a trans woman, and vice versa, the uh, reproductive organs of a male into a trans man. At this point in time, there isn't. I feel it in my soul that within, the, within my lifetime, which I'm mid-40s right now, so let's just say I got another 40 years, you know, be gracious, uh, at least. So I'm hoping in those 40 years that that medical intervention happens and I, and I see it happening because they're, they're, they're growing different part, different organs and different body parts and things like that. So the experiments and the trials, they're happening. It's just a matter of when it'll happen on the grandiose scale. We'll, we'll say, I mean, it's happening, but it, we got a long way to go. So what I really want to say out there to you folks is realize that it is something that truly affects the psyche, but you're not alone in the sense of only other trans women will understand your feelings. Other people will too. Because let's talk about the natural born woman who is not trans, has no desire to transition to be a trans male, who for whatever reason cannot bear children. Whatever reason. There's, no, there's hundreds of reasons out there Let's, you know, choose your own adventure. Let's just say, what about those women? There's groups, there's support for those women. 
they're going to understand as well because they're not able to procreate and give back life to this universe either in that traditional sense. There's, yes, there is adoption and all that, but of course I understand the whole feeling of being pregnant and wanting to give birth and have that experience. I get that. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being a parent to a, you know, a foster child, an adopted child, anything like that. That's a, different, that's a whole different story subject for another episode. But I'm talking about the natural you know, childbirth process that trans women can't go through and a number of, of natural-born women non-trans women, cis women, go through as well. So, as, as you go out there, if you have these thoughts and feelings, and this is something that really hovers over your head, realize that it, science is, is catching up, and that you truly are not alone in your own community. You know, trans woman community or cis woman community who's, you know, for whatever reason can't give natural childbirth or men for that fact, which is you know, left on the scale, which nobody really talks about. You're not alone. It's not just something that affects only trans women. So when a cis woman or a man, a fr- and then friends, you know, try to offer support or help or condolence or empathy or something, don't shut them out. Because you don't know what their thoughts internally might be. Because they may not want to share. They, they may not want to. They just may want to be there to offer you the support that you're needing at that moment in time. All right. Enough of that. Let's get back to Bryce Fuquay and music from 100 years ago with his 4th of July special. Well, as I mentioned previously, uh, the Goldman Band not only did marches, they did all kinds of other tunes, uh, waltzes, pop songs, and band arrangements, wind band arrangements of famous classical pieces. Now, nowadays, any city of any size has a, an orchestra. It may be an amateur symphony orchestra or a professional one, but you don't have to go very far to find a, a classical orchestra. But, you know, a hundred years ago, that wasn't the case. Only really large cities had symphony orchestras. And so, if you want to hear classical music, uh, the way a lot of people heard it was in arrangements for wind bands, because almost every community, no matter how small, had a community band of some sort. And so, these were quite common. A lot of of bands had arrangements of classical pieces. We're going to hear one now uh, by the New York Military Band, Goldman's original band. This is a 1914 recording of the famous Dance of the Hours by the Italian opera composer Amilcare Panchelli. Uh, this is a piece that's been used in a lot of cartoons, so even if you're not familiar with classical music, you've probably heard the, uh, the final dance here. Here's the Dance of the Hours by the New York Military Band from 
Pan Kelly's Dance of the Hours in a wind band arrangement made in 1914 by the New York Military Band. Normally at this time, I would be having some listener feedback, hence the listener feedback music, but I don't. Unfortunately, I don't. So I'm going to send out wonderful thank yous to all my listeners. And again, hopefully my rant and rave from last episode didn't turn you off of, uh, well, listener feedback. So know that I love you all. I really appreciate you listening every week and downloading every week. And for those of you that do reach out to me and write to me, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And please continue. Please continue. All right. Let's finish up with Bryce Fuquay and music from 100 years ago. Well, next up, we'll hear a rarely performed John Philip Sousa march. This is a, a tune called On the Campus. And it's a recording from the Goldman Band from 1925. John Philip Sousa's On the Campus March. Now, the Goldman Band uh, became very popular uh, for, during the summers, as I said, by performing free outdoor concerts 
uh, especially uh, in Central Park in New York. And they did this for many, many years. Goldman also commissioned a number of prominent uh, classical composers to write music for his band, including uh, Percy Granger, who wrote his famous Lincolnshire Posey for the Goldman Band, and uh, Arnold Schoenberg's very last composition that he finished, uh, Theme and Variations for Band, was written for the Goldman Band. Well, Edwin Franco Goldman died in uh, 1956, and his son Richard took over the band and led it until he died in 1980. And after that, a number of other conductors uh, kept the band going. But in 2005, the band was uh, broke up. There was a big labor dispute. Uh, the board of directors wanted to cut back on how many musicians there were. They'd lost a lot of their funding um, that they had for years. And so they're having to make cutbacks. And the musicians' union refused to go along with that. So they just disbanded the band. So after uh, about 100 years, um, the Goldman Band disappeared finally. Uh, so it's kind of sad, but they left behind a rich legacy of recordings and live performances. And with that, we have come to the end of this week's uh, special 4th of July show featuring the Goldman Band. I hope you've enjoyed our little patriotic uh, series of marches here. I'll be back next week with our annual Love Songs of Summer show, where I'll be playing up-tempo, happy love songs for the summer season. So I always say I think the summer is the most romantic time of the year, not Valentine's Day, not Christmas. It's the summer when people tend to fall in love. And so we're going to be playing some uh, really nice, uh, cheerful love songs for you next week. To wrap things up, though, we're going to go back to uh, the Goldman Band and uh, Edwin Franco Goldman's another composition by Edwin Franco Goldman. This is probably next to On the Mall, his best-known march. It's called Chimes of Liberty, uh, and as you might expect, it makes extensive use of orchestra chimes in the march. We're going to hear a recording from 1922 of the Chimes of Liberty march. Uh, here's the Goldman Band. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again next week.
it is. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed uh, the uh, different taste of podcasts. And like I said, it's something I listen to. I listen to his show regularly. I, and I, when I found his show, I went back and listened to all the previous episodes. And it's just, it's a different type of podcast with a different uh, touch on music. So if you're a music lover of any generation, check it out because each episode has a theme and it is just a wonderfully put together show. Speaking of wonderfully put together shows, there's our closing show music. It's time to wrap this baby up. Thanks so much for sticking around to the end. You know I appreciate it, as I always do. And I always tell you, at least I'm pretty darn sure I always tell you. (laughs) Next week, next week, the topic's going to be, is being trans a trend? Yeah, this is something I I saw floating around the internet a while back. And I said, I'm going to throw out my two cents on that. So that's next week. As always, I'm looking for guests and topics. Send them my way, Changes in Latitudes Podcast at gmail.com. Check out the Blogspot page, Changes in Latitudes Podcast.blogspot.com, and shop to your heart's delight. And what happens? Well, you won't really notice anything, but I'll notice pennies on the dollar come back to help out the program. Or donate through PayPal. Or join us over on Patreon. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. If we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. So take care of yourselves first. Take care of somebody else next, and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you, so let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast or at the website changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, First, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet.
All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2016 by me, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. That's the end of the show. And remember...